When things with my ex and me were going bad, really bad, there was very little that could loosen the grip of my anxiety. I'd spend most of the time in my closet, in the bathtub, or in my room, waiting things out until he'd talk to me again. Sometimes Jason and my cousins would be around and make plans to go out for a movie or shopping or dinner, and I'd agree to go with them, even if I wasn't feeling up to it. I never, ever regretted it, even if stepping back into the heavy stillness of my home was always a punch in the gut. Listening to their chatter, comfortably falling back into the rhythm of inside jokes and overall silliness was like coming up for air after being submerged in a pool of my own despair. How quickly the bubble popped when I was with them. How easy it was to breathe at the mere sound of their voices. Some part of their magic lingered, even when things were, quote, good between me and my ex, so that seeing a pile of their shoes on the welcome mat of my home in the morning, it filled an emptiness I couldn't even name. That is a memory that underpins just one of the resolutions I'm undertaking for 2023. And this is the Korean Vegan Podcast, where we talk about how to live a more purposeful and empowered life. Welcome back to another episode of the Korean Vegan Podcast. This is Joanne Molinaro, your host. So I took a couple of weeks off from podcasting, as I'm sure some of you noticed. I had my family in town, and sort of on a whim, I decided to focus on spending time with my nephew, my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister-in-law, and even my cousins. I appreciate your patience in waiting for this next installment of the podcast. I simply could not say goodbye to 2022 without reaching out to all of you. Hopefully you have enjoyed the podcast thus far. I'm excited for what 2023 will bring to the Korean Vegan Podcast and more on that later. But before we move on to this week's podcast episode, I had to mention up front that we're having a huge promo with the Korean Vegan Collective. For those of you who don't know, the Korean Vegan Collective is the relaunch of the Korean Vegan Meal Planner. It's an app that you download onto your phone for access to thousands of plant-based recipes, as well as nutritional information, food coaching, and of course, exclusive video and written content brought to you by yours truly. In celebration of the relaunch of the Korean Vegan Collective, we're offering our annual subscription for only $69. That's $30 off the original price. So for a limited time, you can receive instant access to thousands of plant-based recipes, one-on-one -on -one food coaching, live cooking demonstrations, and all sorts of other exclusive content for less than two bucks a week. There'll be more about the Korean Vegan Collective and the collective impact folks on the Meal Planner had on just 2022 alone, but I wanted to flag it for you right now just in case you had a couple of resolutions up your sleeve to eat a little bit healthier, to get into the best shape of your life, or just to eat less meat. And with that, let's turn to this week's podcast, which is, of course, about resolutions. So without further ado, let's get into it. The 
this is around the time of year when I always start to get a little bit annoyed. I go to the gym at the same time in the morning as I have year round, and all of a sudden, I can't find a vacant treadmill in sight. Now, part of me applauds those who have resolved to improve their fitness with the new year, and part of me just wants to get my damn run in. While I think that using January 1st as a catalyst for change is perhaps convenient and potentially useful, the fact that I can easily find a treadmill on February 12th proves that using an arbitrary date as motivation to change one's life is, well, arbitrary. Moreover, so many people bite off more than they can chew with resolutions, to wit, I'm going to run a marathon this year, even though I haven't run more than a mile in a decade. I'm going to lose 60 pounds this year, even though my diet largely consists of Doritos and Taco Bell. I'm going to become a YouTube star this year, even though I've never posted anything to YouTube in my life. While I don't want to poo-poo aspirations of self-improvement, there's this tendency to hype up the importance of January 1st and thus the resolutions that attend them. But when our goals outpace our capacity, and more importantly, our reality, we set ourselves up for the big F. Failure. And failure can often lead to a lack of self-confidence and even despair, things that can stick with you long past 2023. So for this week's podcast, I thought it might be useful to suggest a handful of resolutions that actually make sense. They're doable at every level to every person and will, in my opinion, outlast the initial spurt of motivation that tends to fizzle within the first quarter. But before we do that, the following is a short recap of my trip to Rome, the ensuing holidays with my family, and how both of these things shaped the 2023 resolutions I intend to make for myself. Zia Menica's eyes turn perfectly round when Anthony and I walk into her living room. Once more, I'm startled at how much they look like Anthony's when he is surprised or especially happy, only his eyes are hazel to her blue-gray. According to Anthony's cousins, Zia, who is in her late 90s, has started showing signs of dementia, often forgetting things that happened just a few minutes earlier. Notwithstanding her age, Zia Menica remains as impossibly put together as ever, clad in a Sunday frock, dainty dress shoes, not a hair out of place. The shock written on her face as Anthony goes in for a hug suggests that news of our forthcoming arrival must have lapsed, but I am happy that we get to surprise her in this way. Ciao, I whisper as I clasp her in a quick embrace. Come stai, I continue, deploying nearly half the Italian I knew in an effort to impress her. She kisses me on both cheeks. I'm always grateful that Anthony's aunt loves me, even if it's merely an extension of her love for her nephew. I once hosted her for dinner at my apartment back in Chicago when Anthony and I were just dating and not yet living together. I was running late from the office and Zia arrived before I had a chance to change, so I ended up cooking the entire meal, still in my suit dress and heels. In retrospect, I suppose that was entirely normal for Zia. The only time I've ever seen her wearing anything other than a dress and heels was when we were at the beach. When Anthony asked her after dinner what she thought of me, she answered, Lei è una donna molto interessante. She is a very interesting woman. 
Dinner at Zia's is a multi-course affair, starting with homemade pizza, followed by gnocchi and pasta fagioli, then some grilled vegetables, ending with various vegan desserts. Anthony's cousin and his father's namesake, Roberto, Zia's youngest, is excellent in the kitchen, and these family meals are always the best meals we have in Italy. One forkful of Roberto's pasta, and I'm convinced I need to fly him out to my kitchen for a three-week boot camp on Italian cooking. To my right, Anthony chats comfortably in Italian with his cousin Daniela, Zia's middle child, who inherited her father's medical practice. My heart swells a little bit every time I see Daniela. She is brilliant, opinionated, and temperamental, but I can never see her without remembering how much she cried when Anthony's father grew sick in the weeks before he passed away. We were seated at the kitchen counter of Anthony's parents' condo in Chicago. Anthony stepped out to run errands, Judy was at the hospital, so it was just me and Daniela for half an hour or so. She had just arrived from Rome and began asking all sorts of doctory questions about Robert's condition. Robert was Anthony's father. It occurred to me that it was the first time I'd heard Daniela speak English, something she avoided doing almost as a point of defiance, and which I sort of respected, even if it meant I could never really communicate with her. As I did my best to answer her questions as thoroughly as a non-doctor could, she took her reading glasses off, began wiping them with the edge of her sleeve. Tears rolled down her cheeks, still ruddy from the Chicago cold, and her face finally broke in sheer frustration, whether at my terrible explanation of Robert's medical condition or the fact that she could do nothing to save her favorite, Uncle Bob. I don't know. Daniela's heart is a cup, always overflowing, and in that moment, her cup had shattered. Rather than trying to put it back together, she let the shards lay there, scattered between us, and for that, I loved her. To my left sits Eleonora, Roberto's daughter, trying to coax some pasta into her one-year-old son's mouth as she asks me about life in Los Angeles in English. Roberto fills our glasses with generous amounts of stout red wine. Daniela is recounting her most recent trip to London. Her sentences are long. She speaks so quickly, her words running together like an avalanche of small pebbles. Andrea, her husband, pipes up here and there as if punctuation to his wife's prose. Roberto laughs in that full-bellied way that reminds everyone of his speedo-wearing devilishly handsome days, while Paula, Zia's eldest child, a psychologist, eyes all of our plates to ensure that no one needs more pizza, pasta, or cake. I'm able to understand only about 25% of the conversation at the table, enough to laugh at some of Andrea's jokes or pass the spinach. I look over at Zia Menica, sitting at the head of the table. She only speaks when I get up to go to the bathroom, asking one of her children to make sure I know how to get there or see to anything else I may need. Her quiet attention ties the clink, clatter, and conversation of the table together in this warm, indescribable way, like the soft lull at the end of a particularly vibrant phrase of music. Later, we rate each of the vegan desserts. Eleonora prefers the berry tart, but Daniela and I vote for the cheesecake. Before we say our goodbyes, I gift each of Anthony's cousins with a copy of my book, over which they all ooh and ah. Andrea lingers over the photos of me and my grandmother, he flips the page and sees the black and white photo of my dad while he was in Vietnam. Adjusting his glasses, he asks, This is your father. Which war was this? Vietnam, I confirm. 
When was he there, he follows up. Well, it would have been during college, towards the end of the war, I think 1969, trying to do some quick math in my head. And your parents, they came to the United States when? This I knew, having answered the same question so often. Early 70s, Andrea nods, continuing to peruse the photos from my childhood. I go around to everyone, even Eleonora's boyfriend, and perform the kiss-kiss before walking out the door. Our Uber arrives shortly, and I nestle back into that space between Anthony's jaw and shoulder and whisper, Babe? Hmm? I love your family. Me too, he replies. I'll be honest, this trip to Italy, it wasn't my favorite. It rained for nine out of the 12 full days we were there, and halfway through our stay, Anthony caught COVID, relegating us to room service for several days. As a result, we missed the birthday party for his nephew, well, technically, Adriano is his first cousin twice removed, Paola's grandson, though he dropped off his gifts and said hello from the stairwell of Paola's apartment building before walking back to our hotel. We tried to make the best of things, though, and perhaps I took my cabin fever out of my wallet. I spent far more on jewelry and clothes than I've ever done in Europe before. My favorite gift to myself consists of two rings made by a fourth-generation jeweler I discovered right at the foot of the famed Ponte Vecchio. Federico learned everything he knows from his father, and I was proud to pick up a few handmade items for myself, my mother, my mother-in-law, and a friend. Another was a mosaic shop tucked into an unremarkable stone facade at the end of one of those winding, nameless roads in Rome. The window display was small, but they left the door to their shop open, and through it one could see the walls covered with tiled birds, fish, fruits, and sunbursts. Owned by two sisters, every piece was handcrafted with the same traditional tools that have been used for over 2,000 years. We picked up a number of items here, too, and we congratulated ourselves for finding unique gifts for our friends and for ourselves. Though I packed my knife, portable oven, soy sauce, and a tripod, I ended up cooking only once and did so without the cameras on. This was in part due to the overcast weather, but also because my jet lag was fierce and I usually petered out around 4 p.m. each day. I thus had little motivation to cook, though I managed to perk up a bit in time to make my own version of pasta fagiole for Anthony's friend and Italian tutor, Alessio. I picked out all the ingredients at Campo de Fiore, where a vendor, clearly a mainstay of one of Rome's oldest markets, cackled at me in Roman dialect whenever I added something from her tent to my bag. As I picked through her tomatoes, celery, and shallots, a YouTuber who happened to be filming behind me explained, she is Rome, pointing at the old woman. Campo de Fiori can be a tourist trap and, in my opinion, doesn't have the best produce. You can buy most of what they sell at a solid grocery store in Rome without the markup, but it can also be quite charming, and I was glad I bought all my groceries from this old harmony. Although I considered extending our stay by a day or two in case Anthony's COVID didn't disappear in time for travel and to make up for all the rainy weather, our last 2.2 days were gloriously beautiful. Anthony tested negative on the day before our flight back to L.A., and to be honest, I was looking forward to sleeping in my own bed again. I always know it's time to go home when the thought of leaving doesn't make me sick with sadness. On the last night, we went to Paolo's house for dinner, where we were joined by Paolo's partner, Angelo, and Daniela and Andrea. Paolo made my absolute favorite, pane carousel lasagna, a lasagna with unleavened bread from Sardinia, a vegan bechamel, and a lentil bolognese. 
We discussed chess. Angelo is a grandmaster, Latin poetry, and Roman politics. I knew little about these subjects, but I liked asking questions that animated Andrea's thick brows and split his wide mouth into a grin before he launched into another explanation of why things are the way they are in Italia. My mom and dad were waiting for us at the end of a long, delayed trip back to L.A. I invited them to stay in our home while we were in Italy through the holidays. My brother and his family joined us a couple days later. My cousins, who also wanted some excuse to leave the blizzards of Chicago for a couple days, were in L.A. too and tumbled into my living room on Christmas Day. Amma, my sister-in-law, Yangjung, and I were already into hour seven of cooking by then. Our menu was truly a random hodgepodge of what I want to eat today. Chapche, carousel lasagna, focaccia, nachos, braised tofu, pecan pot pie, apple pie pockets. <laughs> we ate dinner outside on the patio, certainly a first for me, an alfresco Christmas dinner, and subsequently gathered in my family room to open presents, mostly for my nephew's sake, whose gifts made up 90% of the Christmas booty beneath the sparkling fir tree. Afterwards, we loafed around, draped over my sofa, or splayed out on the rug while Nat King Cole crooned in the background. Topics of discussion rose to the surface of our food coma like air bubbles in a pond. How John met his girlfriend, Liam's swimming prowess, YouTube's fickle algorithm, the noodles in Koreatown, Chimin's digestive distress from eating too much food in Koreatown. Back in Chicago, when I was living in Wheeling, Illinois with my ex-husband, my cousins came and slept over regularly. We'd play video games into the wee hours, watch all three of the Lord of the Rings installments in a row while slurping up lamyan from the couch, or just talk about random things until we fell asleep. Oftentimes, I'd be the first to say, okay guys, I can't stay up anymore, I'm going to bed, before heading upstairs with Daisy, my dog, in tow. Feel free to stay the night, I'd offer casually, so as not to sound, you know, too desperate, because there was nothing that made me happier than still seeing their mess of shoes at the front door the following morning. When things with my ex and me were going bad, really bad, there was very little that could loosen the grip of my anxiety. I'd spend most of the time in my closet, in the bathtub, or in my room, waiting things out until he'd talk to me again. Sometimes Jason and my cousins would be around and make plans to go out for a movie or shopping or dinner, and I'd agree to go with them, even if I wasn't feeling up to it. I never, ever regretted it, even if stepping back into the heavy stillness of my home was always a punch in the gut. Listening to their chatter, comfortably falling back into the rhythm of inside jokes and overall silliness was like coming up for air after being submerged in a pool of my own despair. How quickly the bubble popped when I was with them. How easy it was to breathe at the mere sound of their voices. Some part of their magic lingered, even when things were, quote, good between me and my ex, so that seeing a pile of their shoes on the welcome mat of my home in the morning, it filled an emptiness I couldn't even name. The day I left our little townhouse in Wheeling, Illinois, for my own apartment in the city, my entire family descended upon my home once more. My parents, brother, sister-in-law, uncle, two aunts, and all my cousins. They helped me pack everything. Jasmine put all my shoes in a box. Jason, Jimin, Hyungsung, and Yunsung packed the books. My uncle, the contractor, moved the heavy stuff like my piano. My mom and aunts gossiped about this and that as they carefully wrapped all my cups, plates, and bowls. 
Young Jung made sure I didn't leave behind something important. Photos, yearbooks, my diary. My dad sat on the couch and drank coffee <laughs> until my mom harangued him off his rear to help with this or that. It wasn't until everything was packed, placed neatly into the moving truck or the back of my Nissan, and it was finally time to walk out the door one last time that everyone grew quiet. In Asian homes, there will always be a lull before an exodus as we put our shoes back on, and thus I found myself surrounded by my whole family crowded into the small space at the foot of my staircase, reshod and waiting for me to say something, I guess. I turned to face them, but just didn't know what to say. Young Jung, the sister-in-law I barely knew, reached through the bodies pressed between us and squeezed my wrist. Okay, I'll see you all at the condo, I said brusquely. And as if on cue, Chimin replied, see you there, and we disbanded like drops of water on a window pane. They headed towards the garage where their cars waited in the driveway to my home, and I out the front door by myself. I never ever told anyone in my family other than my mother about how horribly things could get when it was just me and my ex-husband. I suspect many of them knew, though, as my mom wasn't exactly known for her discretion. Chimin's see you there was as much a salve as anything, though. Code for, I know you don't want to cry in front of everyone right now, and I won't let you. In some ways, I hated that my younger cousins felt they needed to do this for me. I was older than them, the oldest of the family this side of the Pacific, and the responsibility of that role had been ingrained in me by my grandmothers since I could understand the word nuna, which means older sister in Korean. Even as I stretched comfortably on my couch on the warmest Christmas of my entire life in sunny California, surrounded by the people I love the most in all the world, I secretly wondered whether I'd been enough of a safety net for them, whether they'd started to question the dependability of the ropes woven beneath them after seeing me fall apart so spectacularly that day in Wheeling. Another gripe I have with New Year's resolutions is that they are often not specific enough to be of any real use. Get in better shape. Okay, but what does that even mean? Vague resolutions are too easy, too easy to meet, or too easy to break. Therefore, when crafting my New Year's resolutions for 2023, I wanted to include a resolution specific to me. However, I encourage you to tailor the specific resolutions, if any of these appeal to you, to your own situation to ensure that they are realistic. So, without further ado, these are my five New Year's resolutions for 2023. Number one, spend more time with family. My family, they just left to go back to Chicago but I see signs of them everywhere. There are Lego pieces dotting the rug, and I can still hear my nephew Liam chirping from the floor. Can we play Legos, como? Please? Amma is everywhere. I ate the rice cakes she and my sister-in-law brought back for me from K-Town and Anaheim for today's second breakfast. Despite all the cooking we did, the stovetop is still spotless, and the dishwasher is practically empty. The pull-out sofa bed my parents slept on is tucked neatly back together as a quiet little couch, even though I told Amma it was okay to leave it out for Anthony's brother, who was due to arrive later today. As I was rummaging through my linens for a queen sheet set, one of my favorite memories with my mother sprang to mind. 
We were at her house squatting on the floor over one of those electric griddles, trying to make rice flour crepes, something she saw like on a YouTube video, only they turned out all wrong and too watery. And we were laughing so hard, we nearly burned ourselves. I remember even as I laughed until tears rolled down my face, I harbored this hard seed of anguish in my chest because I knew that these moments with Amma, they weren't infinite. Specific resolution, call Amma every day. Visit Chicago at least four times. Resolution number two, prioritize recovery and sleep. In all my traveling, I've taken a great deal of pride in the fact that I always maintained my fitness. I ran eight miles on a rickety treadmill in the basement of my hotel in Rome on my wedding day. I ran throughout the streets of Gangnam on my trip to Seoul while the rest of the city was still asleep. And I've run more long runs in Central Park than in any other city save Chicago. But on this trip to Rome, I gave up after one three-mile run around the Circus Maximus. Not only did it rain nearly every single day, I was operating on about two to four hours of sleep a night due to jet lag. I'm not good at anything, much less running on cobblestones with so little sleep. I decided to make sleep my priority and therefore focused on walking as much as possible. Thank goodness I brought a really good waterproof coat with me in the mornings because exposure to sunlight during that window from 7 a.m. to about 10 a.m. is really important in overcoming jet lag and staying awake in the afternoons so I wouldn't be up at 2 in the morning watching Korean dramas on my phone. That happened a lot. (laughs) Deviating from plans, especially those that are written out on Excel spreadsheets, as is the case with my training plan, it's not my forte. But cutting myself a little slack was the best thing I could do for myself. Not only did it give some of the blisters and calluses on my feet some time to heal, it afforded me the kind of mental recovery I didn't even know I needed to be nicer to myself and, by extension, nicer to my traveling companion, Anthony. Specific resolution. Go to bed regularly before 10 p.m. each night and aim for at least seven hours of sleep, even if it cuts into your running time. Resolution number three, learn something new. Yesterday, while settling in to watch Navalny, a documentary about Alexei Navalny, I commented on how I never really liked watching documentaries until recently, to which Anthony replied, how is that possible? Documentaries are the best. You learn something new when you watch. I thought learning something new might be a great resolution. By this, I don't mean watching documentaries every single night, although, you know, for you, maybe that's what it means. Is there something you've always wanted to learn from scratch or even just be better at? Ballroom dancing, baking, fencing? For me, despite having been to Italy now six times, my Italian speaking skills are embarrassingly poor. By now, I'm on the leaderboards of Duolingo, but I can't even ask the taxi driver to get back to our hotel without stuttering. It's like there's a cork stuck in my throat and all the words I learned on my little app are stuck right beneath it. I know it's a confidence issue and that with enough time, I'll uncork myself and Italian will flow out of me like a sparkling river of Prosecco. But until that time, I'd like to get good enough to speak Italian here in my own house where I will be far less self-conscious. Luckily, Anthony speaks fluently, so I have a ready partner in this resolution. 
specific resolution. Study Italian for 30 minutes Monday through Friday and hire an Italian tutor for weekly lessons. Resolution number four, spend more time outside. As I've talked about before, I used to hate any form of physical activity. My favorite sport was playing Halo on my Xbox. I've come a long way in that regard. However, I'm still not a fan of outdoor activities. As I get older, I grow more anxious with every step away from the bathroom, (laughs) and I'm too much of a klutz to ride a bike without risking severe injury to myself and basically everyone else on the path. But because I decided not to run for the majority of my time in Italy, I walked everywhere, and the change of pace was really nice. I was able to take as many pictures of the Colosseum, Roman Forum, and Pantheon as I wanted. I could walk with Anthony. I can never run with him, pausing for selfies and continuing many of the discussions we started indoors. If we saw a restaurant that looked inviting, we'd take a look at the menu and note it for later. If we saw a pizzeria that had vegan options, we'd head on in and munch on pizza while we walked. One night, we walked all the way back to our hotel from Paolo's apartment, holding hands nearly the whole way while drinking in the soft glow of lights from piazza to piazza. But in addition to how nice it can be to spend time outdoors, it's better for your body. Dr. Robin Chutkin, in both The Microbiome Solution and her newest book, The Antiviral Gut, discusses the benefits of rewilding our microbiome by exposing ourselves to nature after generations of over-sterilizing our bodies, compromising our immune systems, and otherwise jeopardizing our health and happiness. Specific resolution. Walk outdoors for one hour at least three times per week and try a new outdoor location for a long run once per month. I also need to add here that Anthony is making a similar sort of in the same vein resolution when it comes to rewilding his microbiome, and that is to take less showers, which I'm really, really proud of him for because as I'm sure some of you know from previous podcasts, Anthony takes like four showers a day. So I think this is a really strong improvement in this regard. All right, my fifth and final resolution for 2023 is to get into the best shape of my life. Okay, maybe not the best shape of my life, but the best shape I can reasonably attain. After struggling with disordered eating for most of my life, I really want to challenge myself this year to eat in a way that is geared towards health and fitness, mentally and physically. This recent trip to Italy was supposed to be a bit of a test drive to see whether I could eat without counting calories, but also without binge eating everything in sight. In the past five trips I've taken to Italy, I ate pizza, pasta, and gelato every single day until my stomach started to feel like it was going to burn a hole straight through the center of me. I don't know if any of you can relate, but we're taught to believe that these vacations and trips should revolve around food. Eat everything in sight because you might never get a chance to eat the super special food ever again. But Italy has so much more to offer than just food. And so does life. Therefore, this time around, I ate when I felt hungry and stopped when I didn't. It was cold and rainy, so we had gelato only once, and it wasn't even really that good. I enjoyed the meals I ate, but also thoroughly enjoyed feeling blessedly unbloated and light for the first time ever in Italy. So, for 2023, 
I'd like to combine my running training, I plan to run another half marathon in May, with a more intuitive approach to eating healthy, whole food, plant-based meals with an eye towards reducing refined sugar and fried foods and increasing greens. So I have to say, the braised greens in Italy, OMG, they were one of my favorite culinary discoveries this trip. I'd never eaten braised greens <laughs> before in Italy, and they were so good. In fact, one of my favorite meals this time on our trip was, you know, because we were doing a lot of room service um, because of Anthony's COVID, we, we weren't able to go to a lot of restaurants. So a lot of times I would just order bread and a little bit of braised spinach, and that's it. It was so delicious. Just put a little bit of braised spinach on some really good rustic bread. It's absolutely unbelievably delectable. Specific resolution. Delete calorie counters from my phone. That's going to be hard for me. And cut out sugary desserts, except for special occasions like holidays and birthdays. Incorporate greens into my diet every single day. And stick with strength training. That's another one for me three times a week. So those are my 2023 New Year's resolutions. I'm sharing them with you in this podcast with the hope that they might inspire New Year's resolutions that actually make sense for you. If getting into the best shape that you can reasonably attain is one of your New Year's resolutions for this year, I wanted to, again, take a little bit of time to talk to you about the Korean Vegan Collective. As you all know, I launched the Korean Vegan Meal Planner beginning in November of 2021. Many of you are members, and I wanted to share what we've all been able to do collectively over just the past year. 66,807 plant-based meals were made as a result of the Korean Vegan Meal Planner. 13 million gallons of water were spared. 445,000 pounds of greenhouse gas emissions were spared. 668,000 square feet of forest was spared. 24,000 animal lives were spared. To be completely blunt, these numbers are nothing short of extraordinary. And I am so, so freaking proud of what our collective compassion was able to accomplish. If you aren't a part of this incredible community, I want you to check out the Korean Vegan Collective. The collective is so much more than recipes, though you'll get thousands of those too. The collective is your one-stop support group for helping you meet your goals. You'll not only get instant access to my recipes with complete nutritional information for each of them, I think that alone is worth the price of $69, with complete unlimited access to one-on-one -on -one food coaches to ensure you're optimizing your nutritional goals and exclusive articles, videos, and live streams to keep you motivated throughout the year. As I mentioned at the outset of this episode in celebration of the relaunch, we are currently offering a full 12-month membership for only $69, which is $30 off the regular price. Just type in the promo code TKV2023. You can remember it better by TKV2023 at checkout to take advantage of this limited time offer. 
one of my favorite things about the community, the collective, is reading some of the feedback we've gotten. One person wrote, I just want to say that this is the best designed, well thought out food plan I've ever seen. Amazing. Thank you. Another testimonial from a member is, the detail in the recipes ensures that my chapche turns out the same as Joanne's. Hopefully, I'm sure it did. I have been a follower for a long time, and I'm really looking forward to a healthy year using TKV Planner and Cookbook. My thanks to Joanne and team. Again, those are just a couple of the amazing feedback we've received from the collective, and I want you to be a part of it too. 2023, we're going to outdo all those amazing stats that are rattled off from the beginning. And on top of that, we're going to make sure you satisfy your 2023 resolutions to eat healthier with more intention and with compassion for yourself, each other, and the planet. With that, we're moving on to updates and random things. So what I'm watching, I'm really excited to talk about what I'm watching. I finished two things. We finished the documentary on Navalny, which is extraordinary, really opened my mind to what is going on in Russia and in light of the war, as well as the unprecedented aggression that we're seeing in that region of the world. I do think that this movie is incredibly prescient. It was very well done. And my goodness, Alexei Navalny is ridiculously charming. It's hard not to fall in love with him, his wife, and his children, notwithstanding some of the weird things that came up about his activism in the past. Just really shed some light on where we are globally when it comes to our continued fight against oppression and authoritarianism. I highly recommend this film. You can watch it on HBO Max. The other thing that I just finished was a Korean drama recommended to me by my mother and sister-in-law while they were in town. It's called Dear My Friend. I have to say the thumbnail on Netflix really doesn't do this drama justice because I had seen it multiple times. It's recommended to me and I was like, yeah, I'm not sure I really want to watch this. This K-drama follows the story of five women who are in their mid to late 70s grappling with what life means at that stage. The cast includes some of the most famous actresses in Korea, including Oscar-winning Ya Jung-yoon. I highly recommend this drama. I just finished it. I cried. I laughed. I loved every second of this drama. And it really made me think as the daughter of someone who is of that age, my mom and my dad, they're both in their mid to late 70s. What does that mean for our relationship? What does that mean for who they are and the goals they have yet to achieve but are still striving to? How can I facilitate them? How can I make sure that these last chapters of their lives are as sparkling and vibrant as the earlier ones, maybe even more sparkling and brilliant? Again, highly recommend this drama. You can watch it on Netflix. What I'm listening to, well, in case you missed it, check out the most recent episode of the One Life, One Chance podcast. For those of you who don't know, Toby Morris, the lead singer of the band H2O, also has this incredible podcast, the One Life, One Chance podcast. I got to hang out with him and Derek Green, another plant-based punk rock musician, in Toby's kitchen to discuss growing up in Skokie, Illinois, starting the Korean vegan, saying goodbye to my suit job, and even my limited exposure to punk rock music. 
The University of Illinois cooking event has been rescheduled. The cooking event at U of I in Urbana-Champaign has been rescheduled to February 24th, 2023. I'll be doing a live cooking demonstration and talk as well as signing all of your cookbooks. So keep your eyes peeled for ticket sale information. We'll continue to update here on the podcast, in the newsletter, and on my Instagram as details come to light. And with that, we are now at parting thoughts. Babe, I ask, looking up into his face as I lean into his shoulder and the back of our Uber. Hmm, he answers, continuing to stare down at his phone. We are rounding the Coliseum on our way to dinner at his Ziamenica's home, where Anthony's cousins, their children, and even their grandchildren will congregate over a white linen table laden with pasta, pizza, and red wine, all under the tender gaze of Anthony's Aunt Menica. A soft glow escapes the craggy emptiness of the massive amphitheater and makes its way onto my husband's chin like a dab of mustard. I say nothing, and he doesn't press me to continue. Instead, I nestle into that space between his jaw and his collarbone, the place that now feels as though it was as carefully constructed as the dome of the Pantheon, so that it would perfectly fit the shape and width of my face. This is now a sort of game between us. I say, babe, like I'm about to ask him a question, and he says, what? And I reply, nothing. He used to ask me, no, really, what? I just like saying babe, I'd answer. I don't have anything else. I told him once that this would be the thing he would miss most about me when I died, the random babe that chirped out at him from the far corners of our house, climbing out of the deep cushions of our sofa, or even hollering at him from the shower, because it is always those small things that annoy you that you miss the most when they are all of a sudden cut off. But this time, I did have something I wanted to ask. Will you marry me? I wanted to say. We were already married, of course, but I couldn't think of a better way sitting there in the back of our Uber to pick through some of the happiest moments of my life, the ones from our wedding right here in Rome. But I am shy and still a little nervous around my husband, which I sort of like, because it proves we still have things to reveal to one another, parts of each other we haven't had the opportunity to excavate and fall in love with yet. So I say nothing. He says nothing, and the amber lights behind us keep our secrets safe. For now. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for another episode of the Korean Vegan Podcast. Do me a favor. If you haven't already yet, make sure to subscribe, leave a rating and a comment below. If there was anything in this podcast that particularly inspired you, for example, if you adopted one of the New Year's resolutions that I suggested that makes sense for you, share this podcast episode with your friends, your family, your loved ones, your colleagues, or even on social media. Make sure to tag me if you do the latter. 
As I mentioned earlier, 2023 is going to be a big year for the Korean Vegan Podcast. We're working on some incredible interviews. We've lined up some amazing guests for you to hear from. As a result of that, we will be taking the month of January 2023 off in order to regroup and make sure that the relaunch of the podcast is as amazing as the relaunch of the Korean Vegan Collective. In the meantime, I do recommend that you check out the collective if you're missing content from me because there's going to be videos and all sorts of things on the collective that you're not going to find anywhere else. But otherwise, I wish you all the happiest, healthiest, warmest, safest, most wonderful New Year's. I hope you all are eating something delicious, healthy, and something that will feed your soul. All right. Have a lovely, wonderful day, everyone. Thank you.